without God or His Son when He reached down His hand for me. Give the Lord a good clap offering. Would you do it? Wow, that pastor of ours can sure sing, huh? <laughs> well, we are blessed this morning with a very distinguished and accomplished servant of Jesus Christ, Pastor Moses Chowdhury. He's from Vijuwada, which is the second largest city in the state of Andhra Pradesh in India. It is a beautiful city as I saw pictures of it online but I saw also that it's steeped in idolatry and Hinduism. It is in this dark spiritual environment that Pastor Chowdhury has established a thriving ministry advancing the kingdom of our Lord. I have known Pastor Moses for several years through the fellowship and, and a couple of visits that he's made here to Ville. However, in preparing for this introduction, I was amazed at how God has used this man. As I read his testimony online, I was moved by how God miraculously rescued him from the brink of death, which led to the conversion of his mother and eventually to his salvation as well. God called him out of communism and as he contemplated suicide. I quote from his online testimony. Jesus started dealing with me saying, if you don't want your life for yourself, give it unto me and I will give you meaning and bring beauty to it and use it for my glory. And indeed, God has lived up to his word to Pastor Moses. With God's help, he has built a ministry that includes three Bible seminaries, a home for the aged, a children's home, and he's fathered many pastors throughout India. Bethel has partnered with him for many years through our giving in missions. Now Pastor Donna come to further introduce him from a more personal side. Okay, he's going to pass on it. Let's welcome Pastor Moses. What a joy. What a joy to be back in America, especially to Bethel Church here, to be with all of you and share this time, what God is doing for lives and through our lives and ministries. Coming back to this country after a gap of three years caused by the COVID season, I felt a stranger when I came to this country searching for English words because I haven't been able to speak in English much less uh, preach in English for the last three years. 
but I'm getting there. Uh, this church, what America, why I, I fell in love with America is, is the beauty of this country with all the mountains and valleys and woods and the highways as well as byways and the skyscrapers. But I was born by birth I was a people person, not a places person. Person for places, no. I never went to see anything in this country because people always fascinated me and still do. <clears throat> so many things are popping up in my mind, but uh, I wanted to say how much and I love and appreciate you all, Pastor Don, Pastor Carol and all of you dear people of God at Bethel Church for having faithful partners, consistent partners since 1986. What your monthly support has accomplished, I don't have a record of all, but heaven has kept up the record of all that's been accomplished by your giving and the churches in America. How God has led my path cross that of Pastor Don and Carol. And I see Pastor David Smith. How my path has been crossed because God has appointed it to cross that of his choice servants that would be partnering and uh, sustaining our ministry for decades. So many things are happening. You will see a four minute video on our ministries. We have just celebrated a Ruby Jubilee festivals in the month of June, that's 40 years of ministry celebrations. <clears throat> well, I wanted to share with you a message that I have been sharing for the last one and a half years, or a little over, since the COVID season began. When I came to the Lord, 1966, coming out of a Hindu family, all superstitious beliefs, idol worshiping, idols that carry no life. My mother had cried out to the God of heavens, his name is Jesus Christ, and he had responded to her cry and healed me as a, an early teenage boy dying as I was under the curse of a witch doctor. My father died for the same reason 10 years earlier and my mother had never been to any Christian church. We didn't have any churches in our village. Never knew anything about him, but she just cried out of a desperate situation as she was about to lose the only child. And how God has responded, turned our lives around. And seven years later, God had encountered me in my own bedroom by his love and my life took a different turn, but it took a beautiful and peculiar turn, turn for a purpose, purpose God has designed for this boy to fulfill in his lifetime. And uh, in my walk with him, in the beginning of my walk with the Lord, I said, Lord, your ways are, I mean, it's hard for me to understand you and your ways. He didn't wait or pause, but he answered me, son, you are a human and I'm divine. There's no way any human would ever be able to understand me. 
all there is to be understood about me. Just accept me and my ways and the understanding comes to you. Accept me and my ways as they are by your faith and trust in me and the understanding will come. And that's the wonderful, great principle God has taught me in the beginning of my life. And I've been holding on to that principle that he taught me. Why would God ever tell his people Israel, speaking through his servant Moses at Mount Sinai, that the land he has promised unto them that they're going to be entering pretty soon should observe Sabbath for God. Well, he'd already spoken to them that they should all observe Sabbath to God, that is working six days a week and then rest on the seventh day, that's called Sabbath. And in Hebrew, they still use the word Shabbat. But he also told Moses to tell the people of Israel, the land you're going to be entering into, that's my and I'm the owner, you are not the owner, you're only a tenant, you're living, you're going to live on the land I own. I said, once you get there, sow your seed, first, first year, second, third, fourth, fifth years, you'll get your yield, good for one year. But on the sixth year, you can sow just as usual, but in the seventh year, you shouldn't sow any seed, nor prune your vineyards, nor harvest anything. Well, naturally, we all think if we tell the farmers that they shouldn't farm any, in the seventh year, no sowing, no pruning, no harvesting, naturally the question comes to the people, why? I mean, how can we eat in the, if we don't sow in the seventh year, what are we going to eat in the eighth year? Well, the Lord, said, you might ask me the same question, but I'm telling you, I'm going to bless you in the sixth year when you sow your seed and prune your vineyards to give its fruit and its yield three times, three times. First five years out of Shemitah, as they call, seven-year period is called Shemitah in Hebrew, and they still use that word in Israel. First, second, third, fourth, fifth years, you'll get the regular yield good for one year for you to eat your fill. But in the sixth year, I will order, in my translation in Telugu language, it says, I will command that the seed should yield three times more fruit. That's unthinkable, unreal. Coming from a farming family, did some farming along with my grandfather. I never understood that, prince, that, that law, that, the statute that God has commanded his people to follow. And he said, the fruit, three times fruit and harvest you will, you will reap in the sixth year if you would only observe my laws and follow my statutes, my rules, my regulations. That's the one condition. You know, God's blessings are conditional. Some are not conditional that we enjoy. 
So India as well as sinner enjoy those blessings that are unconditional. But God's blessings are conditional. If you follow my statutes, observe my laws, you will lack nothing. You live in safety. And you will eat your fill. <laughs> it's amazing. So I figured when I read in my language, I will order the seed to give three times more yield in the sixth year. Oh, he's going to order the seed. You seeds that my people who have been following my statutes, observing my laws, those seeds they have sown, you better bring forth the three times more yield than previous years. And you soil, I command you that you would release all the minerals and all the essence that the seed my people who follow my statutes and observe my laws, sowing those seeds so that those seeds might bring forth the three times more yield. And you, the water above and the water down under, under the ground, you better come up and come down to wet those seeds and the soil so that the seed would bring forth three times more crop than ever before. It's amazing. You know, there's a price for God's blessings. No price, no value. Less price, less value. High price, high value. What kind of price you and I are willing to pay, we receive the same value that is good for the value, the, for the price that we paid. Life has go th goes through so many seasons and faces, pains and gains times, suffering and rejoicing. They all go together. In every church I go to in India or in America or Norway, I said this, it's not what we go through that counts the most. That's not what portrays who we are. The way we respond to what we go through in this life, whether it's blessings or pain or gain or suffering, whatever we go through, it's not that what counts the most to God. It's how we respond to what we go through that counts to God. Well, <clears throat> we serve an amazing, awesome God. There's so much potential God has deposited in all of us when he created in mama's womb. And the potential, we have to develop it with the determination, discipline, and dedication. Make the most out of that potential for God's glory and to help others and enrich others. That's how we can repay to God for what he has deposited into our lives. When we stand before that Bema of Christ, Bema is a Greek word that's used for the podiums they built in Olympic Games beginning in the Olympic Village in Greece. And that's the award-presenting podium that's called Bema. That's recorded in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. Unfortunately, the translation said, the judgment seat of Christ. No, that's the award-presenting podium, seat of Christ. For whatever we have done, 
whatever we have, however we have responded to what we have gone through in life. Are you all still with me? You think you can understand this interesting accent from the other side of the world mixed up with a little bit of accent of your country? I fell in love with this country and the language all because of the people, all because of people like you. I look at America as a home away from home. Sometimes my wife tells me, well, you are a little unrest. You better go back to America and see your friends and spend some time there and you'll come back rejuvenated, rejoicing and reviving. You are like a fireball every time you go to America and come back. That's interesting, isn't it? And that Shmita, seven years, Sabbath of seven years, Sabbath of seven days, Sabbath of seven years. The last year is called Shmita year. Since uh, Nebuchadnezzar turned on the temple, stole all the riches out of the temple and took all the youth from the country of Israel to his country of Iraq or, or Babylon. It was in 585 before Christ. Since then, the people of Israel never had their country in their own ownership or they never ruled their country. Until 1948, May the 14th, when the Balfour Declaration Sir Balfour from England declared that all Jews from around the world can go back to their homeland of Palestine or Canaan or Israel. And two to three hours later, six Arab countries declared war against Israel. They haven't even come back into, the, into their own land yet. Just the declaration was made two, three hours later, they declared the war. And you know that God had sent the people of Israel for 70 years of exile into Babylon. You know why? They violated God's principle, God's laws, God's statutes, that the land should observe the Sabbath, that they should never sow the seed nor harvest the crop from the vineyards or olive groves in the seventh year. But they violated it. Interesting thing is that God didn't punish them after the first or second or third violation. He waited for 69 Shemitahs, that is 483 years. And when they violated the 70th Shemitah, that is 77th, 490 years, he sent them to an exile in Babylon for 70 years so that the land would rest. So it's very important, it's very vital for us, dear people of God, that we should follow the laws of God, observe and be obedient to the statutes of God. And then when the declaration was made in 1948, May the 14th, you know, 1945 was the end of World War, and three years later, they got the freedom to go back to their homeland. In 1945, 
I'm sure some of you know this history of this country. 1945, God has uplifted, raised up the United States of America and the whole world. As the countries around the world saw the military might and economic power of this country, they awed at the United States of America. That same year, this country made a decision to build, to build twin towers. And they took four Schmittas, multiplied by seven years, you get 28. From 1945, add four Schmittas, you get 1973, that's when the Twin Towers in the city of New York were inaugurated. And that same year, unfortunately, abortion was made legal, same year. Some prophetic scholars said the foundation was laid for the curse on this country that day, that same year that the Twin Towers was, were inaugurated. And we all know that that law has been overturned a couple of weeks ago or so. I've read the news. I keep up with the news as much as I can because this is a home away from home. This is the country that has impacted my life so much because of the people of God that uh, God allowed my path cross theirs. That's who made my life heavily impacted. And then count another four Schmittas from 1973 when the Twin Towers were inaugurated. The world looked at it, oh my, what a country. There's no other country in, its, in, a, in the history of mankind such as the USA. And four Schmittas later, adding 28 years to 1973, you get 2001. Needless to refer to it, because you all know 9-11, 9-11, 2001, Twin Towers were down. Recently, I, I do a lot of reading regarding Bible prophecies. I even heard some Jewish rabbis uh, actually the, the group that uh, invaded upon this country and on demolishing Twin Towers planned to do it on the 18th of September. Some information came out and I happened to read it. But because that was the day that the Rosh Hashanah, the New Year, or the Feast of Trumpets is celebrated by Jews all over the world, they preponed it for one more week to hit it on 9-11, killing more than 3,000 people. Add another four Shmitas, 28 years to 2001, we get 2029. Wonder what we are headed for. Let me quickly refer to what happened. After 2001, add one Schmitta, which is seven years, 2008. All of you know the banking system and the housing industry of this country had collapsed. Hundreds of thousands of employees have been laid off. Well, it took uh, almost, well, more than one year, year and a half or so. 
somebody said the other day, we felt its impact even in 2010, when, they, when he had heard me talk about this. And then add another Schmitta to 2008, we would get 2015. Most of you don't know what happened. Seven trillion dollars were gone in the stock market. Another economic collapse. Needless to say, they are super duper countries. They thought they they collapsed, but they made it. You know, our God is a God of long suffering. He don't punish right after we violated his principle once or twice. I don't understand him. I thank him every meal or every time I pray for his long suffering and his faithfulness and his goodness and mercies. And then add another year to 2015, another Shmita, another seven years. Are we not sitting in the Shmita year that something could happen? We don't know what it might be. Some of the prophetic scholars have been talking about, of course, we all heard about the return of the Lord ever since we came to the Lord. Uh, for 2,000 plus years, you know, we've been looking, the Church of God has been looking for the return of the bridegroom, for his bride. And uh, we don't know the moment, the moment of twinkling F and I that the rapture will take place and we who are being part of the bride, the church of Jesus Christ would fly away. We don't know that moment, only the father. Even though some of the so-called prophets predicted the, the year or the moment, but they failed, we all know. But the season we should know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verses 34 and 35, you should know the season, season. When it's cloudy in the morning, you know it's going to rain. When it's cloudy in the evening, you know it's not going to rain. You know when the fig tree blossoms, you know the season. You, should, you don't know the time or the moment of twinkling of an eye, but we should know the season, season, season. Well, we'll I don't know how long this season is going to last. It might be this season. It might be this season. In the first century, the, in the country of Judea, the weddings, uh, the marriage system, when the boy and the girl were small, the parents from both sides made a decision to put the boy and the girl together through matrimony so that they could share and celebrate their lives together. When the age of, uh, in the right age, the age of puberty, they have reached, and they put them through betrothal or engagement, just like Joseph and Mary were put through. And the wedding ceremony would take place one year after the engagement or betrothal done. Why one year gap? It's a proving ground for the boy and the girl, for the young woman and young man. Proving ground that, they, that they're clean, that they're pure, proving their chastity. In case, within that one year time period, in case the boy and his family come to know something went wrong with the girl, or the girl and the boy, or the girl and the family came to know something went wrong with the boy, uh, 
they could they should call the elders in the village have them sign the signatures sign their names as witnesses of the official divorce the saying at that time went on like this <laughs> divorced virgin and that's what happened to mary oh the pain she bore the accusations joseph and mary bore to bring to this world of sinful humanity the savior the god man well <clears throat> the one year is over but there's another thing that the young man the bridegroom had the responsibility of building an own house an own apartment could be one room two three four depending on his father's property and his ability and once he finished constructing that uh, constructing the new house for him and his wife to be he would go to his father to get his permission abba i have completed the construction of the house that me and my wife to be are going to live would you permit me to go fetch my wife or bride yes son you may go now and then the dancers and the musicians follow the friends and relatives of the young man to the bride's house and he would take a pitcher of wine or grape juice and pour it in a clay glass made out of clay and give it to the bride and she looked at it and uh, well she finally takes it and takes a couple of sips give it back to him he takes a couple of sips and then the wedding process began all of them go with the musicians and dancers and oh there's such an uproar in the whole village behold the bridegroom cometh then they go back to the bridegroom's place and the wedding ceremony takes place there and then he takes his bride and go into the newly built house no wonder jesus said taking this culture context in john's gospel chapter 14 let not your hearts troubled you believe in god believe in me also i have many mansions in my father's house if it were not so i would have told you i'm going there to prepare a place for you and if i go and prepare a place for you i'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where i am and you know the way to the place where i am going is coming back folks never forgotten sometimes i told our pastors and our folks in our churches the father must have been holding him because he had to wait at the door even the demons when i tried to cast the demons out pastor don few years ago 10 of our 10 12 kids anywhere from 5 years to 12 years were demon possessed so few of us me and maji and uh, brother paul you you all know and few others on prasad and we fasted and prayed for for a week every time i walk into the into their room dormitory and those demons speak to one another 
ah, here comes the big pastor, which is referring to the senior pastor. And I go lay down my hand on any boy or girl that's uh, showing the demon possession and rebuke the evil powers in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the demon speaks back to me, take your hand off of me. Every time you lay your hand, it's burning me. I cannot stay here. And I go back to my master Lucifer. He's whipping spirits like me, saying that we should tear down the ministry of Moses Chaudhary and all the churches in the world. And he also added, our master Lucifer also added to us that their God, their Lord, is at the doors to step out any moment. So get busy, no time to rest, no vacation. <laughs> Even demons know that the Lord is at the doorstep to step out for his bride any moment, any moment. I'm not saying he's coming back today or tomorrow. He may or he may not. But in closing, let me say this. Another parable Jesus had shared with his disciples. Recorded in chapter 19 of Gospel of Luke, verses 11 through 22. We don't talk much about it. We talk about the parable of talents, not about minas. You probably pronounce as minas. This prince, or in English translation, the man of noble birth was going to a far-off country to be made a king in that country as well. He called ten of his servants, gave each of them a mina. I think you pronounce it that way. In our language, it's mina. It's like a talent. It's like money. Said in English translation, occupy till I come. Yeah. Uh, but in our language, he said, do business with this Mina until I come, do business. Pastor David, I went into Greek and English interlinear to look at the original word and its meaning in English. Our translation is correct. Do business with this Mina. So, and uh, his own countrymen sent a delegation to him saying that we don't like you, we don't want you to be the ruler or the king of this country. He didn't say anything to them. He just went on to the far off country and won that country and of course made a king there and they returned. Who should you think he should do, deal with? Who do you think he should deal with? The delegation that was sent by, the, by his own people in his own country that opposed his rulership or the 10 servants? What do we do? How do we deal? Who do we deal with? The enemies. We should take care of them, right? But he didn't. He called the ten servants. No wonder the judgment begins at the house of God. He called ten of his servants. All of them lined up. What have you done with my mina? Sir, I have done some business with your mina that you trusted me with. And I made ten more minas. Well, thou good and faithful servant, he said. Just imagine, what would have been his expectation, the first servant's expectation? Well, maybe he gave me one more mina on top of the one he gave me. After all, I had done some good business and earned ten. He might let me keep two 
Or maybe he would let me keep half of those ten minas I made. I'm sure we all have our own expectations of the blessings we deserve. We think we deserve from the Lord. Do we deserve anything? Well, only he knows. I've been asking Pastor Carol for the last few years. I don't know what I deserve. Whatever I deserve, I'm already enjoying here, Lord. Once I get to your country called heaven, give me a place, a place from where I could see your wounded feet and glorious countenance. That's all I, that's all I'm asking. That's all I, that's all I feel I deserve, if you'd be kind enough. If you would only approve what I have been able to do by your grace and by the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit down here on, on this earth while I was alive, that's a reward for me, I feel. Well, what this prince or the ruler had done to that first servant is amazing. I'm sure the first servant came with some kind of expectation. We don't know what it could have been, what it was. But the ruler said, make him a ruler of 10 towns or 10 cities. Oh, 10 minus 10 towns and 10 cities? That's beyond our ability to comprehend. We can't expect such blessing. So the blessings that heaven has prepared for each and every one of us are more than we could ever dream or expect. If the Lord would tarry any longer than this present season, I don't know how long this season would be, we have a job to do. He trusted me and you with the mina. What are those minas? Because the second servant said, five minas I made, sir. Well, make him the ruler on five towns or cities. And the last guy blew it because he tied it and he buried it. That one mina said, I know you are a hard man, hard ruler. You want to reap the crop where you didn't sow. So I was afraid of you. And you know what he got? A curse. Take that man off him and throw him into the pit. What are the minas you and I got? Time. Oh, by the way, I meant to ask you, did you check your account last night? 86,400 were deposited into your account. 86, mine too. 86,400 were deposited into your account with one condition, that you should spend it before midnight tonight. That's 86,400 seconds of time. A costly commodity, a valuable commodity God gave us. But we have to spend it wisely. How are we spending that commodity God has freely given at no cost, no price paid? by us, but he's been giving us 86,400 seconds of time every 24 hours with that condition. How did you use 
you know, all of you are very seasoned people, I can see. Not to say to the least that you are no perfect per person. You are not a perfect person. I am not a perfect person. We are in the process of moving toward that perfection. We may never reach on this side of heaven. Well, but we still have to work to get there. What you are on the inside carries more value. What I am on the inside carries more value than what I am and what you are on the outside. How much time do we spend on the outside to shape up from anywhere from nails to toes, fingers, skin, every part of the body, how much time do we spend? How much time do we spend in front of the mirrors? There's nothing wrong in that. We have to keep up with this body, maintain this body, so that we could operate the way God expects us to be. But on the outside, look at the dress. How are you spending your time? How am I spending my time? And then number two resource God has given to us is talents. I already mentioned about the potential and the talents that God has created, deposited into each one of us. But of course we have to develop the potential that he deposited by determination, discipline, dedication to glorify God and to touch others, to bless others, to impact others. That's the purpose. I have learned in the very beginning of my walk with the Lord that a man, a person who lives only for himself is the most miserable man ever lived on this planet. God has taught me that principle. We are created for his glory. We are created to help others and to impact others, to enrich other lives. My life has been so enriched, so enriched by the people of God I came across in my lifetime, both in my country and in your country and in the country of Norway and in England, everywhere I've been to. My life has been so enriched by their love, by their trust that they would take me to their circle of friends and relationships and they became partners. Some of them became partners with me in the ministry God has entrusted to me and the team of men and women that work with me. Time, talents, and the treasure, and the money. And we still have to work hard for that money. But still, it's not to pile up under your seat, under my seat, no. Well, of course, we had to spend as much as we need, not as, not as much as we greed, but as much as we need, and bless somebody out there. I still remember, it's a funny story, is that okay? Drops a drop of water out, brings a drop of water. It's funny that this side of the nostril, nose, start dropping drops of water. 
And if both eyes bring the tears out, well, I wouldn't call tears drops of water out. These two knows naturally. I think God had done the wedding ceremony for the eyes and nose together when he created. Every time these eyes brings water out and the nose start dropping the water out. I get so amazed that's the reason this nose is dropping water out. We had to clean it because we had to keep up. We can't let it drip down, right? And how much do you care for the inside of yours? We wipe our tears, wipe the nose, wipe the ears, brush the teeth once or twice or thrice a day. Our tongue our clean in India. You clean differently. We have tongue cleaners, both plastic and stainless steel. And uh, we clean everything. But how much cleaning have you been doing, have I been doing on the inside? The inner man carries more value, no matter how much you carry on the outside. Let's keep on cleaning and trimming the man inside, the person inside of ours. Well, this young man came to me. His name is Krishna Chaitanya. He comes from a Hindu family. Mother and sister are believers. Chaitanya, what brought you to my apartment? He said, Pastor Garu, my mother wanted me to go to you. Well, we had a little chat for a while. He's an IT guy. And I said, are you saved? No, I don't understand that question, Pastor Garu. Do you believe in Jesus? No, Pastor Garu. I don't believe that there is a God at all, Pastor Garu. If that's the case, why are you coming to the Sunday services every Sunday while you are in Hyderabad? Because the speeches you give, the words that come out of your mouth are electrifying, motivating, building me up. That's the reason I'm coming. I'm not coming for God, he said. But I said, those are not my words. Those are the words of God. So God must have been motivating you. His word is electrifying you, impacting you for some reason. You don't know yet. So he left. His match was made. Marriage was arranged by the families, both families. And then he came to me before he got married. I was to do the wedding ceremony as well. Pastor Garu, would you baptize me? Oh, you know, Chaitanya, we don't baptize atheists. No, Pastor Garu. That day when you spoke to me, something happened to me. Pastor Garu, I'm telling you, I'm sharing with you that I've been saved. I have accepted Jesus into my life. He has come to this country at that time, do some project work on his software, project, uh, software program, and, and then move back to Delhi and then to Hyderabad asking me for baptism, and I did. And he later, after he got married, he moved to California. His company moved him and then ended up working for Fox Studios, living in Beverly Hills in a Jewish community. When I went to see him and his wife and little girl from San Diego, because one of our families from Hyderabad Church had moved to San Diego working for Qualcomm, and uh, he was driving me every right or left, Torah Center, Torah Center, meet this. Then I felt this must be Jewish community. Everywhere I see Torah, Torah, Torah Center. And he was living, renting a house. He's a tenant in a Jewish home, a Jewish apartment. 
And then he moved to Atlanta recently because he got tired of uh, taxing system in California, he said. He bought a house, he bought all his, he brought all his home group for me and Amaji to share a couple of weeks ago. And Krishna Chaitanya supports the ministry today. And then another story. Is that okay? You love stories, don't you? We grew up on stories. This Muslim man, Sheikh Basha, used to attend church every Sunday. He loved the Lord, he loved the church, and he loved me. And, uh, but I knew that he wasn't living right. He had another family, illegal family, a mistress in his life, maintaining an illegal family while he had his own legal family. And I was waiting for the Holy Spirit to prompt me to speak to him. At one time he said, even if I'm pushed out of this church, I would live and die at the steps of this church. That's how much he loved the church and me and the Lord. But he wasn't living right. Maybe he thought that it was okay to live like that. So one day I was invited to ask by one of our families to do the housewarming ceremony, and I did. He was there. Evidently he was also invited. And I felt compelled that day by the Holy Spirit to speak to him. Basha, would you come out? I'd like to speak to you for a minute. Oh, sure, sir. Sure. I said, I know you have a mistress in your life. You're maintaining another family. That state minister, deputy chief minister of the state, know that too. Because she lives in that community, in another village. How long do you think you can continue living like this? I know you love the Lord, you love the church, you love me, you respect me, everything is good, but that's not good enough. You need to repent and set your life right. Set your relationship with God through his son Jesus Christ in right position. When you do that, whenever you do, it's up to you. Whenever you do, make sure that woman won't go to another man for her livelihood. Give her some money so that she don't have to depend. Sell her body for her livelihood again. And a few months later, he came to me, Pastor Don, asking me if I would like to baptize him. I said to him, you know, I don't baptize a man who is living illegally with another woman. No, Pastor Garu. God spoke to me that day. I'm sorry, I'm ashamed of myself that I lived that kind of life while attending the church, while listening to your messages. But I have repented. The Lord had forgiven me. And I'm clean. I have followed your instruction. So I baptized him. Now Basha and his wife, Nujihan, and their children, I forgot the names, and their grandchildren, all of them walk into the church on Sunday morning seeing that beautiful sight, amazing sight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for the minas you gave me. Thank you for the enabling power of the Holy Spirit to put my mina to business to win the souls like this. A widow came to me with a promissory note written for 80,000 rupees. It could have been at the time $800 according to the exchange rate of that time. 
But if it is the exchange rate today, it would be close to $100, that's all. Her husband was a great mechanic, had a great business in Autonagar, and he was paralyzed, bedridden, three sons, and a daughter, daughter married, three sons. The oldest boy was in the sixth grade. She brought that promiser in what and laid in front of me and see Babu, she's a little older than me, see, see, 80,000 rupees, how can I clear this debt? My boys are small, my husband is bedridden. I said, Amma, you came to the rightest place, that is the very feet of the Lord. Cry your heart out at the wounded feet of the Lord. He's merciful, he's loving, he's caring, he loves widows. Well, she became a widow a little later. He died, her husband. And some time later, she brought the same promissory note already paid off because her oldest boy, who was in the sixth grade, quit school, went to sit in the mechanic shop, diesel engine mechanic shop, and all his dad's workers continued the work, and the boy started learning it with a sixth grade dropout. And the boys, the other two boys joined him later. And all those three boys working hard, made so much money, bought the land in different places. They are multi-millionaires today. And every time she comes, they bought, of course, cars for each. And they drive their old mother to the church. And they come with the children, about 22 to 24 or 25 people come from that family, all because of that widow. Put your mina to work. Put your mina to do some business. Business of impacting lives. That's what you're going to get the reward for. How many lives have you been able to impact by your mina God has trusted you with? God bless you all so very much. And I bow my head and heart to thank you all for the trust you have placed in me beginning in 1986 with Pastor Don and Pastor Carol. Pastor David, in his, from his church, he supported so many decades. You will see the four-minute video, and I trust it will be a blessing for you. And then I will ask Pastor Don to come and conclude whatever. My profound gratitude goes to God for trusting me and a team of dedicated men and women assigning us to build his kingdom in the hearts of thousands of lives by the preaching of the gospel. You see, ministry has never been and will never be a one man's effort. It takes a team of dedicated men and women with likewise vision and mission. The Lord has strengthened us and sustained our ministries for 40 years by His grace. Our hearts expand in size with appreciation to all the dear partners who had joined their hearts and hands with ours and all in the thriving community of believers in our churches. Heaven has kept the record of all that's been accomplished in and through our ministries. What a wonderful God we serve.
Maranatha Visvesa Samajam, which stands for Maranatha Faith Community, was founded 40 years ago in 1982. 40 years is not a long time in the history of an institution, but Maranatha has knitted its way into the fabric of this colorful garden in Vijayawada, a city of canals in southeast India. Maranatha has come a long way since our humble beginnings in a small veranda in an institute. The Lord used the seed sown to bless many people through church planting, three children homes, an ashram for widows and destitute, three Bible schools, and nearly 200 churches with 130 pastors, 100 staff and faculty. It's gratifying to see the thousands of lives changed to become better citizens for God and country and the Lord on the land and seriously committed to serve the Lord. God has given me four themes for the Ruby Jubilee Festivals. It's a celebration and commemoration of God's goodness and mercies in our lives and those whom His love has touched over the years. Themes of Ruby Jubilee Festivals, repentance, thanksgiving, rededication, and hope. Twelve different speakers who have been a part of this ministry for decades share their messages on these four themes. Pastors, kids from children homes, alumni from Bible schools, and thousands of believers and leaders have gathered for two days of celebration. Repentance has really helped us to recall our failures and admit them to the Lord and surrender to the Lord. It was a power-packed service as the Holy Spirit has moved us to the core. Thanksgiving to what God has done in our lives and ministries and how He has brought us to where we are today. Rededication is the stage at which we have recommitted ourselves to God's purpose and the next generation for the next leg of our journey with mission. The hope of Christ's return and if delayed, the hope of doing His business for the next 40 years or until his return. While it's impossible to capture 40 years of events in a single video, we hope this small presentation will help you see God's miraculous work and bring back memories of our ministries if you are connected with us in any way. Trust you will join with us on the next leg of our journey with God-given mission. We'd love to have you on board, folks. Think about it. May the Lord continue to bless and prosper you for your prayers and faithful partnership. Maranatha. Stand with us, if you will. He's called me soon. He's coming soon. With joy, we'll welcome His returning. It may be morn, it may be night or noon. We know He's coming soon. What a ministry. Forty years. This couple has three beautiful daughters. 
three wonderful son-in-laws that, huh? Is it four? Oh, I'm sorry. That is four, not three, four. They have four beautiful daughters, and they are beautiful, and four wonderful son-in-laws. And these young men, smart. They have ministry all over the southern part and all up. The ministry keeps growing all over India. And uh, I've had the privilege, and Brother David has had the privilege of being there and seeing this ministry. It's not thousands that have been blessed. It's tens of thousands of people that are blessed because of one man and one woman's ministry. And, you know, I'd like to see the Lord give them 40 more years. Wouldn't it be great? Or whatever the Lord chooses to do. I'll tell you what I want us to do. Sister Judy, if you'll play a little, give me a little G there. And uh, we're going to come. And I want to ask Brother Moses, if he will, and his wife. I don't know if you can stand. He's standing up here. Come stand right here. And face the congregation. I am blessed. I'm blessed every day that I live. I am blessed when I wake up in the morning. Oh, I lay my head to rest. I am blessed. I am blessed. I want to ask you to come and, and gather around this couple and believe the Lord that God is going to continue to bless them physically, to bless them financially, to bless them in every measure and pray for their families and pray for their ministries. Uh, they take, listen to this, they take little girls and boys off the street. They have nowhere to go. They're filthy and dirty and abandoned, and yet they take them in by the hundreds, clean them up, teach them. And now those boys and girls are out in the ministry ministering. Isn't that something? Are you blessed today? We're blessed to have them. When we sing this song, I'm going to ask you to come and stand around. Brother David, I'm going to ask you to come. Brother Mickey Cartagena, you slipped in on me. Wow. So good to see you, man of God that loves the Lord and some of our own guys. Where's Brother Larry? Brother Larry, you guys come and let's lay our hands on this couple and pray. I am blessed. Sing it. I am blessed. Everyone come. Come and gather around the altar. Every day that I live, I am blessed. When I wake up in the morning, oh, I lay my head to rest. I am blessed. I am blessed. Come on closer. Come on now. Father, let's believe the Lord. Pray out. 
pray out for them. Lay your hands on them. Lay your hands on someone that's laying their hands on them. And believe the Lord to bless this couple immensely. Keep them in, their, in his care. Watch over them in Jesus' name.